Well, hey, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 today. We're going to talk about Pentecost Sunday. One of our values is spirit-empowered, so we hit that this morning, right? Spirit-empowered. And there's a connection there because Pentecost, um, I'm just going to give a little history just, you know, in case you're thinking, what do they mean by Pentecost? Or sometimes you'll hear that terminology in reference to different types of believers. Oh, they're charismatic, they're Pentecostal, they're evangelical, right? You need to get these labels that are thrown out there. Um, so Pentecostal or charismatic means they're, um, they're believers that believe that the Holy Spirit is still at work in the believer today, all right? And so that includes the, the, not only the fruit of the Spirit, but the gifts of the Spirit. So those are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And that God said, hey, I'm going to give, you find this in John 14 through 16, he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to go be with the Father. So this is after, before his resurrection, but even after the resurrection. And he says, hey, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to abandon you, okay? And he's speaking specifically to the apostles, right? Um, But also to us. And he says, hey, I'm not going to leave you out there, but I'm going to give you the comforter or the the other one that's going to walk alongside you. So I like the Greek word there because it's paraclete, okay? Paraclete, yes. And, and we, we we're, we're familiar with that language because in our schools we have paras, right? And they come along, the teachers, to be a helper to them. And so the Holy Spirit is to be the one that comes alongside us to be our helper. Without Jesus being with us physically, he's with us in spirit. But the Holy Spirit is there to empower us, to equip us, to give us wisdom, all right? We see the Spirit of God at work. So if you look at the Godhead, you got the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? All right. And so you see the old uh, the Spirit at work in the Old Testament, but a testament, but not to the extent that we see in the New Testament. So uh, Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks was an annual festival that the Jewish people celebrated on an annual basis, and they knew when it was because it was fifty days or seven weeks after Passover. All right. And Passover was a very significant um, festival as well because um, they celebrated that the first time right before their exodus out of the land of Egypt. So if you watch the old Ten Commandments movie, right, where, is it Charleston Heston? Yes, he's there, right, Ten Commandments. But they have that scene where they, they have the Passover and they put the blood on the doorposts and as the death angel passes over, But that is symbolic. That points ahead to what Christ would do do for us, that he was that Passover lamb that would be sacrificed so that sin and death passes over us, right? And we are spared from the death angel, right? All right. So with that, Pentecost was, um, it really focused on the wheat harvest. And we need to catch some of these things because I think all this symbolism is important because... Jesus, I don't think, God just doesn't do things by accident. I think there's a rhyme and reason to everything. So the wheat harvest was nearly harvested. And so as they um, participated in this festival, they were all supposed to come before the Lord, before Yahweh, before the Lord, and they were to bring an offering. And that offering included, does anybody know? Think wheat. Think wheat. What do you make with wheat flour? bread two loaves of bread and they had the specific dimensions that it had to be the recipe is even included in scripture how they were to make it so that is your assignment today go home and make it and see what it turns out like okay 
And they were to take those two loaves of bread, wave them before the Lord, and it was their offering to God, okay? And it was just like we do the offering here. It was a thank offering to God saying, God, thank you for your provision and providing for us. You are our provider. And I think if we ever lose sight of that, I think that um, we think that, you know what, I go out there and work, and God's blessed you with gifts and talents. But we all know that health is a gift, isn't it? And it can be taken from you. There we go. We got it there. All right. It can be taken from you in a moment. It really can. And so um, it's all a gift from God. And so we thank him for his provision um, and how he blesses us. So that was Old Testament. So they they did that year after year on Pentecost. And then all of a sudden you fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus uh, is crucified. He is resurrected. He's ascended into heaven. You see that in Acts, okay, chapter 1. Christy read some of that. If you kept on reading there, you'll see the ascension of Jesus. He goes to be with the Father, right? And the disciples are told to what? Wait in Jerusalem until they receive the gift that the Father had promised. So that is in the last chapter of the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. And then Luke also writes the book of Acts, and he repeats that, much the same instruction there in Acts chapter 1. All right, so they were instructed to do that. So for 40 minutes, they waited and sought the Lord and sought the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gift the Father had promised. Is that right? 40 minutes? How many? 40 days. Yeah, she gets the prize there. 40 days they waited. They waited for the gift that the Father had promised. Not just one day, not just two days, 40. Isn't that a long time to wait? Right? But they went into this, what, the, what is described in Scripture, an upper room um, that they had, and they, they prayed and they sought God. And then all of a sudden, on the day of Pentecost, something happens. And they're equipped with a, a spiritual help uh, that wasn't there before upon their life. Amen? And so we see that in Acts chapter 2. I'm going to pray at some point here. I just want to make sure. Okay, all right. I want to stay a little bit on track. So we'll, we'll read here in Acts chapter 2. So as they are waiting on the Lord on the day of Pentecost, all of a sudden they hear this violent rushing wind. I don't know if the, the, you know, the curtains flew open. I, we don't know. All the, they hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And then it seemed like that, that there was tongues of fire that came to rest on each of the apostles, these disciples, these believers. And then they also heard them, what? Speaking in other tongues or languages, okay? And we know that some of those were understood. Some of them probably were not. And Paul even talks about in Corinthians, even though if I speak in the languages of men and angels, okay, but I don't have love, okay, I'm empty, right? So he goes into um, the fruit of the Spirit there. All right. So it's a multi-sensory experience that happens, all right? And the day of Pentecost would mark the beginning of the early church, okay? It wasn't called the church before that, and they're first called Christians a, a little bit later in the book of Acts up in um, Antioch, okay? But um, it marks the beginning of the early church because 3,000 people get saved that day as Peter preaches. We'll talk more about that. Um, and so when we, we look at this, we say, okay, was this a one-time event for these believers, or is this something normative? In other words, something that is to be a, at work in the lives of believers today, right? Um, and so that's what we will look at uh, this morning. All right. 
Five times people are filled with, or filled, baptized, the Spirit comes upon them. Different terminology there in the book of Acts. So if you're taking notes, okay, I'm going to give it real fast here, so you have to be ready, all right? And I'll be qui- you'll be quizzed on this later, all right? So Acts 2, okay, that's the initial one. And then we got Acts 8, okay, that is Philip in Samaria. Acts 10 is when Peter's in, with, at Cornelius' house. Um, Acts 9, so I'm going to go backwards, that's when Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Acts 19, that's when Paul is with the believers in Ephesus. So um, those are worth noting and doing your own study on that. The moment you ask Christ into your life, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. Did you know that? Yeah. There's a joy there. You come, become spiritually alive. That's what Paul says, right? We were dead. Now we're spiritually alive. That's the Holy Spirit. Now it's kind of like, man, I used to do this. Now I feel bad about doing that. You ever had that feeling, right? That's the Holy Spirit. He's the convictor, right? In a good way. But he helps guide us as to what is right and wrong and helps us that in that sanctification process. And sometimes we try to do that humanly, saying you can't do this, you can't do that, right? Um, and that was part of the church. And we have to have standards and we have to have guidelines. But our main guideline or monitor of what we are supposed to be is should be the Holy Spirit of God. But sometimes we don't, we don't trust the Holy Spirit enough or we're not Spirit-filled enough that we have to sometimes put human laws in place, right? And that, to me, then becomes a forced, becomes a forced guideline of holiness, right? And how well does that work for you when you're going down the highway down I-80? Do you follow the law or don't you? I won't. You don't have to answer that question. All right. <laughs> so, God says, "I'm going to write the tablets, God, my word upon their hearts." Right? That's the promise in the New Testament. By God's Holy Spirit. All right. Um, Acts really talks about these five events where they are filled with the Holy Spirit. But we also see what happens when God equips believers with the Holy Spirit. How the church goes from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You see that in the book of Acts. You start off in Jerusalem, you end up in Rome. Okay. So we see the gospel go out there. All right. So I, I stayed pretty close. Um, to my notes, one of the things about Pentecost is it is a celebration of the harvest, okay, right? The wheat harvest, right? You know, and it, do, we see that it, do we see that in the book of Acts? Was it a celebration of a spiritual harvest? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? It marked the beginning of a spiritual harvest. Um, one of the, the tongues is the most consistent sign that we see that accompanied as people were filled with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, that's always in American culture more so than other cultures. Um, why, why tongues? Well, I think it really goes to the core of what God's heart is. It is that every, God has a desire for people from every tribe, nation, and tongue, language. So I think there was a reason, again, in God's wisdom. Amen? God loves people, and that's why he's given us his Holy Spirit, is that we can be a witness. All right. So I've entitled this message, Sales. Why? Because spirit in both the Hebrew and the Greek, so Old Testament and New Testament, is can be translated wind, breath, or spirit. A lot of that is based upon context. Okay, but spirit, you can see how spirit, wind, and breath can be very synonymous and interchanged, right? 
Um, it is for this reason I've entitled it Sales. So um, a week ago, Saturday, um, on Memorial Day weekend, our middle son, Mark, and I were fishing on Stockton Lake that's north of Springfield. And we were out there with a guide, and, and we were fishing. And Stockton Lake's known as a sailboat lake as well, all right? And uh, it just some of the dynamics make it for a good sailboat lake. And so I asked the guy, I said, do you, so do you see a lot of sailboats? Because my father-in-law, they, he had a sailboat for a time, and that's where they would take it was to Stockton Lake and, and uh, would sail with that until uh, the, their health didn't allow for him to do that anymore. Um, but um, he goes, oh, I don't see them too much. Well, <laughs> about the time we we're, we're wrapping it up and heading for the dock, you know, about 2 p.m., I mean, we get out to the main part of the lake, and there's just sailboats everywhere. I mean, I couldn't count them all, right? But it was a pretty windy day, and so people were out there. They were catching the breeze there, right, in their sailboats, right? And it was Memorial Day weekend, all right? And so, um, all right, you got me there, all right. <laughs> Maybe a little delayed. <laughs> um, but the reason why you just marvel at that is sail. These, these boats are just propelled along. Now, a lot of them will have a backup motor. Some don't. Um, but a lot of them will have a backup gas engine. But their main mode of transportation is they harness the wind. And the way that they do that is through a, a sail. It catches the wind and propels us along. So it's that imagery that I want us to take into the message this morning. So let's bow our heads in prayer and dive into Scripture. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is the living word of God that is able to shape and mold us and transform us into who you've called us to be. And so, Lord God, speak to us in the moments that we have this morning. We give you the thanks. We give you the praise. We ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. So this image was in my mind, um, I don't know, I guess last weekend and uh, even be maybe even before that a little bit of uh, just that imagery of a sail and how we as the believers of God, I think, are to be sails. Okay? All right? So, let's read this together. Acts chapter 2. We're going to begin with verse 1, and I'm going to go through 21. Uh, let's go through 21 there. It says, When the day of Pentecost had came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so some may fill or baptize and began to speak in other tongues, languages. We would maybe use that more as the Spirit enabled them. So it wasn't something they did on their own. It was something that the Holy Spirit was provided. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, staying in Jerusalem were God-fearing Jews. Why were they there? They were there for the feast, weren't they? Yeah, who wants to miss a feast? I don't, right? All right. So they weren't there just from Jerusalem, but they were there from Rome. They were from all parts of the known world where the Jewish people had spread and scattered. They were there because this was a huge deal. It was a feast that they were to be at and bring their offering and present it before Yahweh, the Lord. All right. So there were God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, and they had heard this sound, so they were there for Pentecost. So not only do you have the disciples there, but you have all these people that are there for the festival. You think that was just by chance? I don't think so. And when they heard the sound, so they could hear it, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. So a lot of the tongues that were, be sp- were 
being spoken by the apostles, they were able to understand them, even though the apostles didn't know their language. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? They don't know our language. And how is it that each of us hears them in our own native tongue, language? Parthenians, Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Perga, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and other parts of Libya from Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans, hey, we were there, weren't we, right? All right. And, and really, did you know that Crete, there is, where there is a connection between Crete and the island of Crete? Yes, there is a connection there. And Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue or language. Isn't that cool? So they hear them declaring the praises of God. Amazed and perplexed, they said to one another, what does this mean? Somehow, some, however, made fun of them and said, hey, they've had too much wine. So they didn't, they, to them, it just sounded like babbling or another language, right? They couldn't understand it. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed, addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let it me explain to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Okay, so that's Old Testament. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And that's significant because... In the Old Testament, God's Spirit was at work. He came, you read it, Saul, he's anointed as king. And when he's anointed as king, the Spirit of God comes upon him and he prophesies. Okay, that would be prophetic speech that flows through him, right? Uh, David, when he is anointed as king, the Spirit of God comes upon him. Now, we don't hear about him prophesying, but you read the Psalms. They are prophetic in in their their language, okay? Um, And so... I would attribute that as evidence or accompanying the Spirit of God being upon them, all right? All right. So, but it was select people, kings, prophets, judges that God would place His Spirit upon, but it wasn't upon all people. So what Joel is saying here is he sees that day where, hey, I'm going to place my Spirit on not just certain people, but upon all people. Amen? And so Peter says today, that day was the day that God saying, hey, I'm going to put it upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. So a prophetic word is, is a word that we can understand in our own language, but it is a message from God to bring encouragement, all right, and allow, uplift us. Your young men will see visions. You ever think that visions and dreams? I know some of you have visions and dreams, and they're probably from the pizza you ate, or it's kind of like you kind of, whoa, where did that one come from, right? What did I eat the night before? But there's also, I believe, we don't talk about this as much, but dreams and vision that come from God, that are inspired by God, uh, that uh, are from His heart. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. So um, servants was a thing in that day, okay? And you definitely had social classes that were part of biblical times and even in the Old Testament times. But God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon. I don't care what your race is. I don't care what your place is in society. If you're free or if you're a slave, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all people. Okay? And we may think all people, we look at that and we think about that. I know that's even something that our our nation wrestles with. But did you know that the early church would wrestle with that as well? Because they would hear these very words, all people, but they would think all Jewish people. Okay? And so... 
God has to send Peter a vision three times and say, get up and eat, okay? Before he'll go to Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10 and realize, okay, God, you also meant the Gentiles. And when they're filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to praise God and speak in tongues, it's kind of like, wow, I guess God wants to save them too, right? They received the gift of the Spirit just like we did. And that's kind of like, uh, it's an aha moment. And then Paul goes out to the Gentiles. He'd go first to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. And it was kind of like, I don't know, Paul. You're reaching Gentile people, you know, because in their mind, all people included just Jewish people. But God says, my heart is for all people. All right, if I don't stay on my notes here, I'm going to be too long, all right? Verse 19, I'll show my wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below and blood and fire and billows of smoke. And as I believe much of this is still, we've gone to things that have been fulfilled now to things that are yet to be fulfilled. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. That's the day of reckoning. And everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. All right. There's three things that I want to point us to in, in this imagery of a sale. First of all is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we see that in the book of Acts. They waited in that upper room and they said, hey, we're waiting for this gift. They didn't know what, it, they didn't know what was involved. Okay? All they know is th- they were w- encouraged to wait for the gift that the Father had promised. All right? And so they waited and God filled them with the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I think about a sale. A sale is only good if it's opened up. So if I had a folded up sail and I plopped it on the floor here, is that going to do any good whatsoever? No. And have you ever seen a sailboat when they're at the dock or in the harbor there being stored away? They don't have the sail up. They have it stored away, right? Right? Okay. So it doesn't do any good at that point. It's only when it is hoisted up and positioned that it catches the breeze and propels the boat along. It has to be filled with the wind. (laughs) <laughs> it has to be filled, right? You like that? Yeah, we have to be filled. And I, and the reason why I say that is I think I, I grew up in, in, this, in the Assemblies of God in a, with a movement that believed in the Holy Spirit. And I, I cherish the experience, that initial experience. But I think if there's anything that we've um, missed as far as a movement is the being filled day after day being filled with the spirit of god you following me because it's one it's great man you went out there and you were filled once or you sensed god's presence but if it's not happening on a day-to-day basis and throughout the week see god is speaking to us this morning isn't he all right the spirit of god has to fill us right and propel us along you know, a, sa- a sailboat, if it this, the sail is stored, it will drift along. You know, if a real, real strong wind or even a light breeze, it'll kind of make some progress. But if it's filled, if the sails are filled, it is propelled along. You know, and, and the thing that I want us to catch is to, that we can have an open heart towards God, saying, God, come into my life and fill me with your spirit and your presence. I need it just to live the Christian life, folks. Um, and you need it as well. God does. Sometimes we get into the Christian life and says, man, I can't, I can't do this. Oh, I'm about to spill my water. Okay. That's a lot of emotion for me, isn't it? Right? Some of you needed that. All right. Um, but we say, I can't do this anymore, right? 
We get frustrated, and God says, I know you can't. That's why I've given you the Holy Spirit as a helper to come alongside you, to equip you, um, to help a live a godly life, but also to be a witness. So the promise that we see, well, I, I won't jump ahead here. All right. So to be filled with God's Holy Spirit, His breath, as we come before God. So I want to look at Luke 11, and I really have to do move it along here. So Luke, Luke 11, 9 through 13, Jesus says, I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks will rec- receives and everyone who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if you ask your son for a fish, will give him a poisonous snake? Would you do that as a father? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then, even though you are evil, you're human, right? If you know how to give good good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Amen. God wants to fill his people with his spirit. It's the Holy, it's a gift, right? He's not one saying, hey, I got a gift here, but I'm going to hide it from you, right? It's a gift that he wants to give for you. Open up your, the sail of your heart and let him fill you. Ephesians 5, and Chris, I want us to jump to verse 18. Um, verse 18 of chapter 5 there. He just says, you know, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. He says, do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And I know that's a word you guys use all the time, but it just means that it's behavior that flows out of being under the influence of alcohol. And often it's not good. Sometimes people get very violent. Sometimes people make poor judgment decisions. It's kind of like, man, if you'd have been in your right mind and not under the influence, you wouldn't have done that, right? He's saying, hey, don't be under the influence of alcohol. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And it's in continuous aspect there. And I know that's important to you, okay, in the Greek, okay? But what that means is Paul isn't saying be filled once. He's saying we all leak, all right? I don't care if you... I mean, I do care, okay? I do care if you were filled with the Holy Spirit back in camp, back in so and such and such a day, or a service or something. But what about today? What about yesterday? Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Continually being filled, be filled. So it means to be filled. And then they have the Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, all right? Number two, be powered by the Holy Spirit. So a sailboat has the sail, right? So it propels it along. You know, I mean, they maybe have that backup engine there that's gas-powered, but it, the main source of propelling that sailboat along is the sail, right? Be powered. For us as believers, our main source of spiritual power and anointing is to be from the Holy Spirit, right? Um, God hasn't called you to live the Christian life on your own strength and power. You can't do it on your own. And He hasn't called you to minister and say, on your own strength and power. It's kind of like to be a witness. Man, there's no way I could talk to my friends or family about Christ. There's no way I could do that, right? Yeah, I get it. Okay, I was pretty shy. I was pretty shy when I was young. I, I even dated a girl, and, and the grandma says, well, maybe Brent's going to become a pastor, and she laughed. She laughed at me, so didn't marry her. All right. All right. When a sail is open and positioned correctly, it propels the sailboat along. You know, sometimes the Christian life can get difficult. And my question I'd ask you is your sail open? And are you receiving and saying, God, fill me with your spirit and your power? 
And that's good, good. That's a good indicator of things like things. And I realized life can be difficult, but folks, when God's Spirit is helping us along, I think even the difficult times, you can still be in a prison locked up and sing for joy because God's Spirit is filling you. Paul learned that, and I think he learned it through a lot of failures and ups and downs. I don't think it's like, man, it just hit him right there, but he learned through his trials, his circumstances. I think there was times that he was felt pretty defeated. He shared Christ, and the people rejected the message, and he wanted to lick his wounds and go home, but the Spirit of God was there to carry him through those times, and he learned the power of the Holy Spirit. The sail harnesses the power of the wind and propels the boat along. And I think that we all should put those on our cars right now. Wouldn't that help, right? I bet it would boost our mileage quite a bit. All right. Acts 1.8 says, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to uttermost parts of the world. That word power, you know, that could, in our human, in our English language, could be taken a few different ways. But it means power to perform a function. So if you look at the Greek, it specifically refers a reference to power to do a certain function. So if that's what it is, what is the function that God has given us to do? It's there. What is it? To be a witness. What's a witness? You ever been witness on trial? Anybody been here a witness on trial? You've had to stand up? Okay. You got one. Yeah. So witness means a witness means you are testifying to what you have seen and heard. Right? If you were there at a crime or something that, that happened, what they want to get from you is, what did you see and experience? And they want you to share that. God says, I want you to be a witness to the world. I want you to tell what Christ has done in your life and share that with other people. So that's what he wanted with the first apostles and believers. He wanted them to share about the resurrection. He wanted them to share about the teachings uh, that they had heard and witnessed in the life of Jesus and how Jesus had made a difference in their life. He wanted them to share their story with the world, and that's what they did. That's what Peter does, right, on the day of Pentecost. Take it up to where we're at today. God still wants you to do that same thing. So if God has saved you, and you know what it is to be forgiven, you know what it is to have the joy of the Lord in your life, you maybe don't know this from front to back, but do you think you could share what Christ just did in your life? Say, man, you know, I reached, I went to church, or maybe I had a friend that prayed with me and I experienced God's forgiveness. There's people in the world around us that are looking for that. You say, I could never do that. Exactly. That's why God has given you the helper of the Holy Spirit. You know, Peter, Peter was, a, I think, a natural leader, right? I think he was a natural-born leader. He always wanted to be that first one out there. But even Peter, before Christ is crucified, right, leading up to that, would deny Christ how many times? Three times. So even though he had natural ability and he was, I think, a bold leader, he still wasn't able to do what God had called him to do. But on the day of Pentecost, in an even bigger platform where there's a kind of some hostile people saying, oh, they're making fun of Peter and the apostles. Oh, you guys are just, you've had too much to drink. Even though it's nine in the morning, you guys are drunk. And Peter says, no, that's not what that is. This is fulfillment of prophecy written by Joel. In the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. And because of that, 3,000 people are saved and are baptized that day. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 
verse 38 and 39, you say, well, that's just for the apostles, right? Peter preaches to that crowd, and they say, what must we do to be saved? Verse 38, Peter says, repent and be baptized. Repent means you're doing a 180, you're turning towards God. Repent and be baptized in water, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for who? For you, your children, and for all who are far off, all whom the Lord your God will call. So does that, you think that includes you? I think it does. That gift is not only for them, but it was for us today. You know, and we know the ministry of Jesus, but if you jump ahead to Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16, and it says, The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. You would think you were reading about in the Gospels about the life and ministry of Jesus. And all the believers who used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade, no one else dared to join them. Why? Well, because they were kind of scared of them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number daily. So now this number from 3,000 grows. We'll see that it grows up to 5,000. As a result, people brought their sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall upon them as he passed by. Crowds gathered from the towns around Jerusalem. Doesn't this sound like you're reading the Gospels and the ministry of Jesus? They brought their sick and all those who are tormented with impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Now we see the ministry that Jesus was doing was now evident in their lives. Why? Because the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus to do miracles, and I think that's a common misconception. We think, well, that was Jesus. He could do miracles. He was, he was God, but he set aside those things so that he could be human. You can't be human and have divine power. It just doesn't work. But he functioned under the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, just like you and I do. And now the apostles are doing those things. Power to do what God has called us to do. So be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Lastly, drum roll here. Number three. There we go. Be led by the Holy Spirit. And that's the thing about wind and a sailboat. is you, It has a rudder, right? And so you can steer the sailboat. But it's still, there, you have to function within the limitations of the wind direction, right? And the way it's blowing. And I, I think that God is is moving by his spirit. Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, they have this incredible dialogue, but he says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You can hear it sound, right? But you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. And if you sit in your yard and you watch the leaves and the, and the leaves are blowing in the wind, right? Isn't that kind of cool? You can't see the wind, but you see the effects of it. And God says the same way as God's spirit is within God's people. We have to be receptive and flow with the Holy Spirit of God. Be filled, be empowered, be led. Now I think I want to give a couple illustrations here before we close. Acts 16. Paul's on a second missionary journey. He does three of them. And he wants to go north into Bethania. But it says that the doors closed. We don't know all the details there. It says that God closed the door. And so he's kind of like, okay, God, what do we want to do? So during the night, he has a vision, a dream. Okay, which is part of being spirit-filled, right? We talked about that in Joel, right? 
And so he has this dream and vision. It's of a man from Macedonia, which would have been to the west or where he was at, saying, come on over. And he sees it as God speaking to them. And so they get on the next ship the next morning. They end up in Philippi. Philippi would be the first place that they minister. And then they go to Thessalonica, Berea, um, Athens, um, Corinth, and to Ephesus. But they end up there because they were being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, after his third missionary journey, Paul goes to Jerusalem. He is arrested. Um, He's put on trial. And... um, He'd be put on a ship eventually to be taken to Rome to appear before Caesar. He appeals to Caesar because he's being falsely accused. And, 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 and Paul tells him, hey, we shouldn't be heading out right now. It's too late. Uh, winter winds are coming. We shouldn't do it. And they said, we're going to go do it anyway. And so they set sail and they get out into the ocean, into the um, Mediterranean Sea and stuff in there. And they, the storm comes up, right? Storm comes up. For 14 days, the wind blows them. Uh, they had to throw things overboard. They had to cut, out, cut away the sails because it was just so powerful wind. They end up on the, on the island of Malta, though. And on that island of Malta, he gets bit by a snake. You know, it's kind of like, isn't that just great? You know? Gets by, by a poisonous snake. It's a viper. And so they're all watching the people from the island say, oh, he escaped the sea, but, he, you know, fate is catching up with him. And so they're just watching for him to keel over and die, and he doesn't die. And then it's kind of like, oh, they're gods, right? And uh, But anyway, the, the chief official from the island brings his father, who is, who is deathly sick. Pa- Paul prays for him, and he is healed. And so they do some ministry on the island before they set sail and end up in Rome. And so the fact that they were in Malta probably wouldn't have happened unless they were propelled and led by the Holy Spirit, by the wind, right, of God's presence. They were there because of the wind. And I, and I use that. Sometimes the nudging of the Holy Spirit in your life can be very subtle. In fact, it's sometimes it's kind of like we catch it after the fact. That's when we get, we're done talking to a person and we leave, and it's kind of like, you know what? God just opened up a door there, and I kind of sensed it, and I just He just blew it. Anybody blown it? Come on, be honest. I've blown it so many times, right? I've blown it. Even even the guide. You can pray for our guide that we went fishing with on Stockton. His name was Ed, and so I usually don't tell people I'm a pastor. Why? Because if I tell them a pastor, then you know they watch what they say, they watch what they do. So he was just going, he, he really is a good guy. I think he really has a good heart. He probably let a few words slip that he w- wanted to take back after. He goes, oh, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. It's kind of like, oh. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, um, I don't know. You can pray for Ed. I think God is working in his heart and life. Um, and I think there's times that God is nudging us And I think that is something that comes with experience. It's kind of like fishing. So I know a lot of you like to fish. And if you're going out fishing for the first time, you can't tell if it's the bottom that's biting that you're facing or if it's a fish biting. But an experienced fisherman knows, hey, that's a fish. That's not weeds. That's not the bottom. That's a fish. You, you, You develop that sensitivity, right? And the same is with being led by the Holy Spirit. There's going to be times where it's kind of like, 
uh, yeah, the, we're just going through life and stuff like that. But then I said, oh, that's God speaking to me. God wants me to share with that person. And then that we have to just trust God that God is not going to just leave you out there and abandon you, right? If he's nudging you and if he says, hey, go talk to that person about Christ or he opens up that door, maybe a friend and maybe a stranger, I don't know, family member. But if God is speaking, he's not going to leave you. He's not going to desert you. He, in fact, he's going to give you his Holy Spirit to help you. Amen? Amen? And, um, yeah. So, um, as believers, I think we're a lot like sales. I think that's just an image that God put in my... I've never preached on the Holy Spirit in this way before, but it was an image that God just placed within my own heart. Maybe God is challenging me that that as a sale, there are some things that fall into my lap that I have to... God has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit, but if I don't have my sale open, if I have it stored away, it's not helping me out. Are you following me? I can't be filled. I can't be empowered. I can't be led. It's up to me to say, God, here I am. I'm opening up my arms. But there's that idea of posture. There's that idea of saying, God, I want my life to be open and yielded to you for you to fill me with your presence, with your power. And you know what? God isn't, he's a good father, right? And he's going to give you the spirit of God to help you and equip you to walk this Christian life, but also to be a witness for him. Um, our vision is to lead, love, and connect people to a life-changing relationship with Christ. Most of you are here because somebody was a witness to you. Somebody was praying for you. Am I right? Raise your hand if that's the case. Yeah. What if you are that person that is to be the witness to somebody else? You say, oh, somebody else will do that. Right? But if God is speaking to you, it's through you he wants to share his love, his grace, his mercy. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to equip us to do that. Amen? He's given us the Holy Spirit to do that. Don't think that God has somebody else. I, in a lot of people, it's usually multiple things, people that have been praying and interacted with that person. Sometimes it can be up to 10 times or more that they've heard from somebody and all of a sudden it finally sticks, right? And their heart is open. Now there's some people that they share Christ with everybody they meet whether the door is open or not, and some are just kind of like, <laughs> the door's not open, I'm going to just blow it open, right? Um, that's not my style. My style is to build a relationship with people. And when God opens up the door, I want to be able to walk through it, okay? You have to know that timing. You have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and just know that timing, right? <coughs> so I don't know how God has equipped you. Um, I would call myself little more introverted, maybe a lot of introverted. Um, but one of the things that I've just found real freedom with, the older I've, I've gotten, is being able to share my faith with people, especially one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, I do that here, but this is probably easier than sharing one-on-one, -on -one, right? 
Because that one-on-one conversation, especially if it's family or somebody you know, friend, person at work, it's kind of like, oh, what if they reject me? What if they just think I'm weird, right? We kind of worry about those things. So for me, those are harder. But I I have found a freedom in the last 10, 20 years to share Christ, and even with each given day. I think it's been comfortable just being comfortable with who I am and my my style, but also just saying, God, I've leaned more on the Holy Spirit to open up those doors and give me words to speak and say. And if that can be an encouragement to you, I, I hope it is. Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. I want to get you guys down the road, but... But as we leave here this morning, I want, um, I'm going to challenge you to be a sail, to be filled, to be empowered, to be led, for God to do that in your life. Amen? So I'm going to have you stand up, and uh, I don't know have people come to forward a lot, at least, but I'm going to encourage you to do that this morning. There's no pressure to do it. But the challenge is hey, saying, God, here, I'm going to say it. Will you fill me this morning? Will you empower me? I want more of you in my life. That, that's just a simple prayer. Just kind of say, God, here I am. Fill me. And so if that's you, I don't care what stage you're at in your Christian walk. But you say, God, I just want more of you. Would you just make your way forward? Raise your hands and say, God, I'm here. I'm just, my sail's raised. Come and do your thing. Can we do that? You like that? You know, I think if you make that your posture day to day, saying, God, fill me with your presence and your power, you're going to notice there might be that initial, what we would maybe call a baptism in the Holy Spirit, just like you're baptized in water, where you're immersed in God's Holy Spirit. I think that's what Christy was talking about, where... It was just that really initial thing. But I've, I've seen too much in the Christian world where we have that initial experience and we don't move beyond that. Paul doesn't talk as much about that. Paul talks about the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit on a day-to-day basis. That's where he says, continually be filled. And he says to the church in Corinth, They were definitely spirit-filled, but they also kind of had issues with how they exercised it. But Paul says in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Now to each one the manifestation of spirit is given for the common good. Given through the spirit, a message of wisdom. Wow, wouldn't that be cool just as you're praying with a friend or somebody that you're witnessing to, that God just gives you that word of wisdom for somebody. It's not from you, it's from from God. Another, a word of knowledge. To another, faith. Wow. You know, there there is faith to believe in God, but I believe those, when God drops that gift of faith, there's just a powerful word or sense of faith to believe God for what is impossible. We need that, how many, we need that in the church today, don't we? The gift of faith. To another, he gives a healing. We've had God heal people. 
but there's that gift of healing. Another miraculous powers, prophecy, having not just a word that we've prepared, but a word that is timely, that comes from the heart of God. Discernment. Wow. So many times we can be deceived, but to know this discernment. Paul utilized that in that woman that was demon-possessed. Discernment. And then there's tongues. Tongues functions as the gift, and to be able to interpret those, not only so not only that we're glorifying God, but we as the body of Christ can glorify God. And God will distribute those gifts to each one as He determines in His wisdom. I believe God wants to use us not only for we've limited these gifts to the church, but most of the miracles of Jesus happened outside the church. Amen gifts for the marketplace. So my prayer is that God would just fill you with His Holy Spirit and release that within your own life. Maybe in the shower, maybe in your devotional time, and maybe driving down the highway, and God, you're just in a sense of that presence and the power of the Holy Spirit like you've never experienced before. God's Spirit's within you, but all of a sudden He just comes in this way that's kind of, woo! You sense Him, right? sense his presence with you. That's my prayer. Amen. I'm going to have you close in prayer. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much that we can come here today. I thank you for the voice of your Holy Spirit. The way you speak to us. Sometimes when we're not even realizing it about it, you put those little thoughts in our minds, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, if there's anybody here who has not experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that you would put within them just a desire to seek you, and like Christy said, to wait on you and to anticipate what you're going to do. And God, I pray that you would help us as we go about our week to look for those opportunities where you want to show yourself in a supernatural way. Because God, you've given these gifts of the Spirit to the church, and we are the church. And God, I pray that we would take those gifts and we would go to the marketplace and we would use them to draw people closer to you and to show people the love and the grace of God. Lord, we give you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good day. And if you want more prayer about anything, Um, Find one of us, and we'll be happy to pray for you.